0: There you go. Well, at the start of a new series titled Stay Positive, you see the glass and you already know the question I'm going to ask. And so, my a- question is what is your answer? Not on your best day, tomorrow morning when you wake up, how many of you are half full kind of people? I'm encouraged about the day. I got hope, optimism there. All right. How many of you are half-empty kind of people? Here we go. All right. How many of you are like, I don't even know what tomorrow holds, you know, one way or another? Yeah, that's kind of a little bit where we are. Now, here's what's fascinating, right? We, we can look at the exact same object and have completely different perspectives, right? It's either half-full or it's half-empty, which tells me this. That our perspective is not based on the elements, it's based on the perspective that we bring to the elements that determine how we feel about these things. Now the challenge is none of us are probably purely half full or half empty all the time, right? I confess to you, I mean there are seasons that I feel very half full and there are seasons that I feel very half empty as I think about these things. Probably, if I'm honest with you, I tend to be more, if I'm not led by the Spirit, I tend to be more of a half-empty kind of a person. Uh, I, I consider myself a realist. Uh, my wife would remind you, you know, there's just a degree of pessimism that lives within your heart as you go, right? And so as you think about this issue, before you cycle, analyze yourself too much or the person next to you and begin to wonder, well, how did my childhood depend on how I determine if this glass is half-full or half-empty? Can I just remind you today, my proposition for you today is this. That it doesn't really matter if the cup is half full or half empty because the very question presupposes that this is a closed system. And I want to remind you today that it is far from, as a follower of Jesus, the system is far from closed because the system forgets to put into account, there's a picture here of the living water of Jesus Christ and redemption and the power of the gospel that enters in. And his system is not closed. And when I can submit to the Lord, the beauty is he has the capacity to just fill my cup Fill it to the point of overflowing as we go. And so I want to remind you, as we think about this issue of stay positive, the key to your perspective is this. Are you focusing on the cup or are you focusing on the pitcher? And the difference on those two makes all the difference in the world. And so over the next few weeks in this series, Stay Positive, we would encourage us to say, where is your focus? Because that determines where you head. So if you've got your Bibles today, let's go to Romans chapter 8. If you've got your phones, you can go to lexcity.info. Log on there. All of the sermon notes are there as we jump into this series over these next few weeks. So as we kind of begin on this idea, let me define, if I can, some terms as we begin our series and our times today. When I say this idea of, hey, stay positive... I want to remind you, I'm not talking about a a fairy tale perspective on the world. I'm not talking about, you know, hide your head in the sand, just optimism, everything is great, everything is lovely every single day. If we just hold hands together and sing Kumbaya, you know, it will all be fine, everything is awesome like the Lego song. I mean, that's not what we're talking about this idea of stay positive. We're going to see today that the power of this truth is that it's rooted in reality, The reality of the struggles of the day where we're at, we we live in a world, right? That's full of sickness and and death. Uh, We're in a country, at a time in our country, we're fighting for the very soul of who we are. We have children that we love dearly that are wayward. We have bills that keep coming every month. I mean, that's the reality that this truth has to be rooted in as we begin our time together. But, you know, the opposite is not true. It's not just this fairy tale, like everything is great, but here's the opposite true. It's not also true that the cup is completely empty, right? Hope is not all lost. There is no future. All things are sad. It's just totally empty. The sky is falling. Because the power of this, again, is the pitcher. It's the gospel, right, that brings this idea of redemption and transformation and life change and hope to a world. The hope comes in this. The hope comes in who holds the pitcher. Because at any moment, he can fill the cup to overflow it to whatever he has. And so that perspective as we begin our time becomes so important as we go. Stay positive. This is how he defined it. Simply this. It's the unwavering expectation that our loving God is working in every situation for our future good. Let me give it to you again. It's the unwavering expectation, right, that our loving God is working in every situation for our future good. Now, that's not my definition. That's the definition of the apostle Paul gave us many years ago. Look at Romans chapter 8. We're going to be looking this morning. He says this, And you will know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Causes everything. So I looked at that little word, everything. I looked up in the Greek. You know what the word everything means in the Greek? Everything. There you go. Thank you, babe. Well done. All right, this includes everything. It includes that difficult work situation. It includes that exhausting relationship that's just kind of sucking the life out of you at this moment. It, it means even the challenges of COVID-19 and whatever the things that we're facing. And I'm reminded again that God didn't cause these things, but he says this, that he can work in these things for two incredibly important outcomes. Go back to verse 28. Everything works together. Here it is. For the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Two outcomes for staying positive. You're good in God's glory. Now think about that. Those are pretty significant. You're good in God's glory, significant things. So how do we incorporate these into our lives, right? How do we stay positive if that's the end result that these things are gonna happen? Well, today I want you to think about this. I want you to think about what you think about in your own mind. How are you processing, right, the events of the day? What are you dwelling on As you think about even this last year, where has your mind been and where has it stayed? And I ask you this thing of what are you thinking about because what you think about really matters because we know this, what consumes you often controls you. Let me say it another way, what consumes your mind controls your soul and controls your life. Now that's not new with me. Solomon said this thousands of years ago back in the book of Proverbs. Look at what Solomon says, Proverbs 4.23. Be careful what you think because your thoughts... Run your life. Your life is trending in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Think about that. That your life is trending in the direction of your strongest thoughts. And we see it in so many different areas. Your relationships tend to flow in your thoughts about love and commitment. How you view authority, how you view setbacks. How you grieve loss in your life has a great impact on the evidence of the thoughts that are rolling through your head. Pastor Craig Grishel says it so well. He says this the quality of your life will never exceed the quality of your thoughts. Solomon says, Man, it is so important. That's why it's so important for us that as a rule, that we are men and women as followers of Christ who see this cup as being half full with optimism and encouragement that's there. Because if you're not, if you see it the opposite way, this is what I found to be true with negative uh, processing people at different times, right? Is that, and we tend to process everything negative. Two things are true. We tend to run everything to the grid of what is personal and what is permanent. We tend to think those things all, all the time. Everything's ran through that filter. How it negatively impacts me and how it will never change. You find yourself, right? Probably in the quietness of your mind saying thoughts like this. It, it, it's just my fault. I'm unworthy to experience anything good. (laughs) Actually, God's, God's punishing me. I deserve this. God's punishing me for my sins. Nothing ever goes my way. Personal, right? Everything's through the grid of my own. Here's the other danger. If we tend to do that, we also tend to say and feel that it is permanent. We say things like this. It will always be this way. Nothing will ever change. I'm doomed to failure. And if we're not careful with these two ideas, we, we become a victim within our own mind and a victim to every circumstance that runs across our lives. I, I call it this, it's pessimistic permanency. I don't even know if that's a word, but that's kind of a word. It's this idea that everything is personally ran through this and it will never change the picture we forget the important power of this, that the pitcher is full of living water that can fill and overcup, overflow our cup, but in that ment- that point of pessimistic permanency, we just begin to look at the grid. It will never change. I am stuck like this. So the key is this. We've got to think about what we think about because it gives evidence of what's happening in our heart as we go. So are you thinking about the half? full glass, or are you thinking about the pitcher that's waiting to be poured? Paul says, again, I need you to process this. So go back to Romans chapter 8. He reminds us of the importance of our focus. Go a little later down to verse 18. He says yeah, this, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that we will receive that will be revealed to us later. Paul says this, I, I know there's suffering And I know there is struggle and pain in this present world. In fact, in 2 Corinthians, Paul goes on to list, these are the things that I have experienced just here in the last part of his life. And so he speaks out of what he's going to share to us. He says, I want to share with you where I have been because what I'm going to tell you today is going to come out of personal experience. It's not something I read in a book or watched on YouTube. This is what I've experienced. So look what Paul says, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, biblically. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I traveled along many long journeys. I was faced many dangers from rivers and from robbers. They have faced dangers from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. And I have faced danger from men who claimed to be believers but were not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. And besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. And Paul's been through a lot in this season. Now, I want to say Paul. It's a lot, but come on, man. You don't know my last year. I mean, I almost ran out of toilet paper. Uh, I had to eat outside at my favorite restaurant that was killing me along those kind of things. Um, The mask makes my face break out. I mean, I've got some problems, Paul. I mean, I know what you got, but let me tell you about my world, right? Now I joke about that. For some of you, let's be honest. For many, this last season has been extremely difficult, and there have been serious struggles. But Paul is just saying this. I want to lay the framework. He says, "I, I want you to understand I understand hardship. I understand disappointment. I understand discouragement. I understand what it means to to go all these things. And so he says, again, I want to speak to you out of real pain and real loss. So he goes on and says that last part. Yet what we suffer now is nothing. Why? Compared to the glory that he will reveal to us later. Paul says, man, you got to stay positive because what you're experiencing now doesn't even compare to the wonderful promise and the glory of eternity. Now, we don't talk a lot about this in in North America, right? We don't talk a lot about heaven probably as much as we should. But if you've ever lived in or visited and done a missions trip in a third world country, you know that they preach about heaven a lot. They sing about heaven all the time and they are hoping for something beyond this moment to sustain them through the moments they're facing, right? If you've ever been in countries of struggle, I love that. Their perspective always is eternity. But for us, let's be honest, at times it's not that way because why? Let's be honest, our our life is pretty good. My biggest concern is I'm going to run out of toilet paper. I've got a pretty decent life as I go. And if we're not careful, it's like, I don't, we wouldn't say this out loud. I'm not even sure. I mean, I don't know if heaven's going to live up to what I'm experiencing right now, right? I mean, it sounds good. I mean, I love to sing. A a harp's always great at a wedding, but are we talking about Forever and ever singing, and it's the same song, Holy, Holy, Holy. I mean, I think it repeats a lot now, and I, I, uh, we would never, I think I may be bored in heaven, right? I may be good for the first 500 years, but bling, bling, holy, holy. I mean, this is, all right. Now, we wouldn't say that because you're good Christian folks, but let me just tell you what, for me, that thought comes into my mind. Like, hmm, that's a long time. Um, here's something that's really helped me. In my perspective, in anticipating the wonderful gift and the joy of heaven, that I think maybe be helpful to you, I have to think about things like this: Who is the one who created serotonin and, and dopamines and endorphins and all the hormones in my body that bring me joy and pleasure? Uh, who made my taste buds and who gave me adrenaline and who gave me a competitive spirit that I like to compete? Who created my imagination and made amazing creatures like my dog who loves me unconditionally? Here's the point. I only have love and enjoyment and pleasure because God created those things. So if the one who created heaven knows how to create all the things that I love, here's the point. I will love heaven because I was created to love it. You see, I'm not going to get bored because the one who created all the things that bring me joy is the one who created the very place for me for his glory. Here's the other part about heaven. I'm going to be busy in heaven. I'm just not going to be singing, all right? Uh, Revelations 22.3, no longer will there be anything accursed, but the, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. His servants, right? And We're going to work. Now, here's the difference. We're going to work, but we won't toil, Our work today is toil because of the curse of the fall of man, but we will work in heaven, but it will be meaningful and it will be fulfilling and it will be life-giving because it will not be cursed. You see the difference on there? So we'll work, and and what I love is is what brings God glory is not only singing, but again, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all things to the glory of God. Here's the beauty of heaven. We will have the opportunity to express through our creativity, through our gifts and our passions to praise God. We're gonna enjoy being in the presence of Jesus and the presence of the saints who have gone before Heaven's gonna be amazing. There will be some reunions of lost loved ones that we'll get to spend glory and eternity with them. See, the beauty of heaven is that its beauty will be unmatched. Who do you think created the most beautiful beach you've ever been on? And who created those mountaintops with the snow there and you're like, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen? Who created the valleys that took your breath away? See, if you are an outdoors person, you're gonna love Heaven. It's the creator's greatest creation in the absence of sin. Can you believe and imagine what it will be? You think that beach was amazing? It's just really begun. Bible tells us that the streets are going to be paved with gold. I don't know what all that means, but I know this. If the most valuable thing that we cherish here in life is the thing that we will tread on like dirt in heaven, there's a little bit of perspective. I think it's going to be more than just what I think and hope. There will be no sorrow. There will be no pain. There will be no politics. There will just be the purity of love, of love for God and love for one another. And I just want to tell you, heaven's a little more than our little hearts are going to be able to grasp. And I have confidence in that because the one who created those desires within me is the one who has created and prepared a place for me someday. So be encouraged. If that's not enough for you, uh, we're going to eat in heaven. This is good. Luke 22. (laughs) Just as my father has granted me a kingdom, I will now grant you the right to eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. And you will sit on the thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. We're going to eat. I'm sure there's going to be a Chick-fil-A in heaven. Um but the beauty is it's gonna be better than just Chick-fil-A. I'm talking about we're gonna eat and there will be no calorie counting. Uh we're just gonna go for it. It's gonna be steak and mashed potatoes and corn on the cob and hot buns with butter and sweet tea all day, every day. It's gonna be a beautiful thing. Revelations 22, 2 says. Some of you are like, this is the greatest sermon I've ever heard in my life. It's 20 says this, listen, they will not hunger and they And they will again, they will not hunger, never again will they thirst. Here's what I love about heaven. We will not eat to sustain our bodies. We'll eat out of the pure enjoyment of the pleasure and the fellowship of being together. That's a pretty good place. Heaven's gonna be amazing, and my finite little mind can't fully contain it or grasp it, but I know this. We're gonna spend eternity with an all-powerful God and an all-loving God in a place that he has prepared for his glory. So Paul says this, don't forget what waits on the other side. Stay positive, right? Today's pain is tomorrow's gain. It's bigger than just the glass. There's a whole thing outside of this unit that's driving it in a powerful and amazing way. And that's a truth. I don't know what you, I've got to speak into my life on a daily basis, right? It's so easy to become consumed with the here and now and how I'm feeling in these moments. But we've got to have this perspective. Remember Solomon's words, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. Every day that you get out of bed, every day that you lay your head down at the pillow at the end of the day, you're you're faced with a choice, right? What am I going to think about? You choose what you think about. So I want you to, again, think about what you're thinking about because it drives the direction of your life. Because here's what we know to be true. What we feed will grow, and what we starve will die. In this day and age, men and women, we've got to feed our faith, and we've got to starve our fears. And how do we do that? I think back at these times... That, that we've walked through in the last year in different times. Uh, for me, as I, as I sit and look backwards, the times that I have really struggled, the times that I have felt my fear getting fed more than my faith, uh, the things that I have been doing that drove that were this, I, I watch too much news all the time, right? I got opinions about all these things and I kept watching the news and um, every night and that became a problem. It fed my fear, my fear of where we're heading as a people, Where we're heading as a country, those fears begin to rise up. I think about even the context of the local church. My fears, oh, will we lose all our freedoms? Will anybody ever come back when this thing is over? You know, all these things begin to rise up, and I feed it over and and over as I go. And the constant feeding of my soul of fear begin to have negative effects. And this is how I knew I was getting there, because I became irritable and angry I yelled at the television and it wasn't a sporting event. That's when I knew something was out of whack. Uh, I became short with the people that I loved the most and all of a sudden I was reminded of this, Rep Proverbs 4.23, be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. So I had to starve that influence. This is just for me personally. I had to cut out the amount of news I'm watching. I gotta know what's happening in the world but I don't need to dwell on it. I had to cut out those things. I had to uh, I had to begin to delete certain Facebook friends that I had, the irony, many of them were pastors, but I just got tired of their rants that were on and on, and I thought, it just is not feeding my soul. All right, I had to eliminate some of those things. I had to intim- intentionally begin to limit my time with circumstances and people that just were bringing negative stuff into my life, and probably you can relate to that, because I knew this if I don't starve it, it's going to keep going. So here's the question I had to starve those things, and here's the other thing I needed to feed what I wanted to grow, right? So I wanted my faith to grow, I wanted my leadership to grow, I wanted my joy to grow, I wanted my optimism to grow, so I had to feed those things. So I knew patterns, right? Listening to different new podcasts that I did before that just fed my soul. Worship music had to get integrated a lot higher, more times into my life uh, throughout the week to kind of help me along those things. And I began to pay close attention to what and who created life-giving things in my life. And whatever the who or the what was that began to create that in my life, I had to feed that over and over, right? Because what you feed grows. So during this entire series, we mentioned a little bit earlier, we're going to, each week, we want to help you intentionally feed the optimism and the positivity that God has placed within you. And so to help you do that, again, we talked about earlier, if you just text uh, to 8522014, you'll see it on the screen here. If you just text positive, here's the deal. Every week, we're going to send you a challenge. One thing that you can do to begin to grow that. Now, at the start, they're gonna be very internal, and as the series and the weeks go on, they're gonna move externally to the people in our community around us as we do that. But again, I would encourage you to do that, text that, join this positive movement that we wanna do together. But it begins, this whole thing, it begins with you, right? And it begins with you allowing God to change your heart. That's the power of the word of God, because when you get into the word of God, the word of God gets into you right, and it begins to change and molds you. It's the word of God, right, why we take time in the morning to look at these things because it's the thing that points us to absolute truth in a very confusing and compromising time. It's the thing that gives us an eternal perspective when the things of this world seem so consuming in the here and now. It's the light unto our path that we need to take. So as we begin this series, and we kind of just close out our thoughts today as we go, I want to take some time, and I want to just read... God's word over you this morning to just speak some truth into your heart. So if you are, just bow your heads. Take a breath. This will be the stillest and the quietest time of your week, potentially. And I want to remind you what God's word says to you about hope. 1 Peter 5.10 In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory. By the means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. Romans chapter 15, verse four and five, such things were written in the scripture long ago to teach us. All the scripture gives us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promise to be fulfilled. May God, who gives this patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with each other as it is fitting for the followers of Christ Jesus. Later in verse 13 I pray that God the source of hope will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jeremiah 29:11 For I know the plans that I have for you says the Lord They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And finally, the last verses of Romans 8, where we've been this morning, God speaks of his unwavering love and that that love will never fail. Romans 8, 38 and 39, for I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Father, today, we thank you for that truth. (laughs) We thank you for your unwavering love. Thank you for the hope that comes from you and you alone. And so, Lord, today... Whether our cup be half full or half empty, may we be reminded the issue is not the cup, the issue is the life-giving water of the pitcher that comes from your spirit. So Lord, today, may we just take inventory. May your spirit remind us to think about the things that we think about. May we feed the things that we wanna grow. And through your spirit, And strength, may we starve the things that need to pass away. So, Lord, over these next few weeks, may we continue to learn to trust you in new and fresh ways. May we be the light that sits on a hill for your glory. And we thank you for that. In your name we pray. Amen.